Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I am good, and um, and uh, one of the reasons why I am good this morning, yeah, uh, besides the fact that uh, the day we are recording, it's nice and sunny and um, uh, comparatively cooler, um, is that um, uh, we're going to uh, do a podcast episode that is a follow-up um, to a, a recently uh, completed episode where we looked at um, age. Yeah, the, the median age in the United States turns out we're all getting older. And guess who else is getting older? Elected officials. Elected officials, yes. which is not super surprising, right? When you consider that our median age as a country is roughly 39. Yes. Then it's not super surprising that our median age for um, federal service is 964. <laughs> Listeners, it's not that old, but it would be rather shocking. It would be rather shocking if the country's median age was increasing, and in the case of the United States, increasing pretty dramatically, and then to find that the median age of our federal government, you know, uh, of officials, particularly the leaders, was getting younger. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that would, would be, be weird. That would That'd be, be weird. Very Benjamin Button. Yes. Okay. And it would be kind of sort of suggesting that there was some sort of deep state conspiracy actually going on <laughs> where we were bumping off. Okay. Our elderly, um, uh, you know, members of, of, of Congress, presidents, Supreme Court justices, etc. So can it, we it, do it, some statistics first? Well, like... before we before we do that, we hardly ever engage in warnings, but um, some of our listeners might be a little off, but because Nia and I are going to uh, approach this topic with a, a certain amount of seriousness, but also, too, because it is Nia and I, we will probably make some jokes, okay, um, in part because – Or have some death levity. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good way to describe it. And, and in part, it's because, truth be told, Nia and I are – closer as we discussed in the previous episode you <laughs> know the beginning um and, and both of us kind of sort we're of have not, you know as we say you know how they say you got one foot on a banana peel and the other foot in the grave yes we're our our toes our toes are, are on the our toes are in the on, grave our yes. foot's on the banana peel and our toes are in the grave we're not we're, but some of the people we're going to talk about today got whole legs in the grave they're already yeah, you know, they, they they got multiple limbs. Yeah, you're like, yes. goodness, you should just lay down. Okay, Except so. We, okay, the other thing we should, and I and when I just said that, please hear, listeners, we do not wish, wish death or illness on no. any of these people. No. Regardless no. of their political positions, regardless of any wrongdoing they may have engaged in or rightdoing they may have engaged in. None of us want to see people suffer, and we don't want to – we don't wish death on anybody. That's not what we're talking about here. But okay. we are, what we are talking about here is sort of trying to be realistic about what this can mean Yeah. policy. Because everything for Augie, when it doesn't come back to the – excuse me, to the um, Commerce Clause <laughs> – 
comes back to what does this do to policy and regulation? Because yeah. he's an administrative law goob. Yes. And that is the part that he that he cares about with the federal government. What effect is that going to have on yeah, and, the, and it, the administrative state? And and for listeners, if you were wondering why uh, we decided to do this particular episode, and before Neo, we get to the statistics. Um, there were a couple of incidents uh, earlier this year, and again, we're recording in 2023, but there were a couple of incidents earlier this year that got Nia and I thinking about how old is too old to be an effective government leader. Right. Uh, the one incident was um, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has had two different instances, now, in fact, actually three different instances where he uh, froze up during uh, press conferences, okay? Um, and right. it, apparently what happens to him is something akin to a seizure yeah. in the sense that he just goes still. He doesn't appear to hear the question. He doesn't appear to be able to answer. He yeah. just sort of stands there. And in all three instances, his aides have ushered him away. Yes. And it's been announced that he's fine. Which I'm like, really? Because if I did that publicly, people would not think I was fine. Yeah. Just and and not, there. yeah, notwithstanding um, uh, the uh, doctor for the Senate, um, you know, claiming that he is, you know, perfectly healthy. Um, and, and again, when I read that, I was just like, okay, uh, nobody um, uh, um, at Mitch McConnell's age, okay, is quote unquote perfectly, perfectly healthy. healthy right. Okay. Yeah, that's when they said that. What is what was his name? The the White House um, physician who said about Trump, he's in perfect health. Yes. <laughs> and and we're like, you know, you know, we have eyes, right? We can see that he's overweight. Wait. We can see that he's that he has poor eating habits because he clearly does them in public, right? Yes. Like, Yes, it's not. A, and I'm not saying that to slam Donald Trump, but but they've said that about a lot of a lot of politicians and presidents. And you're like, you know, I can see that person, they're, right? They're not invisible. Yeah, I, I, I still can tell that they're. I still recall during the 1990s when um, uh, President Clinton's oh. uh, 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 doctor said, um, you know, he's in reasonably good health for a man his age um, with the job he has. Okay, and, and like and you're like yeah, and the eating habits. And two weeks earlier, okay, there were photos splashed across newspapers across the country. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Big Mac, it's all over his face. <laughs> yeah, he had just finished jogging, okay, and in him in a in a cadre of Secret Service agents, Going to a McDonald's. McDonald's, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm like, now he's hey, done hey. much better post presidency because he's actually gotten his health much more under control. Yeah, I mean, um, and he's had some hard problems, and he and, and he's gotten, you know, but, but the okay. reality is, tough job combined with age is going to mean you're not in perfect yeah. health. The the second the other person. person, yeah, the second uh, incident uh, that got us thinking was. Um, um, Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein. Um, she is the senior California senator. Um, she has served in the Senate for, oh, good Lord, uh, 20 plus years, right? right. And, be and before that, she was, you know, mayor of San Francisco, et cetera. But it's a long and storied career. And she has struggled with various health problems. 
But the incident that really got us um, thinking was she was in um, a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, and it was her turn to vote, um, and she just didn't know what she was supposed to do. Right. She was confused. She's 90. Yeah, she's 90. And and mind you, this, you know, is a senator. Somewhat of fog. Yeah. Okay. And this is a senator who was known for her, you know, quick responses. Right. Sharp take, sharp tongue. Yes. You know, biting acerbic, if you will, which, you know, which I always admired. Go figure. Right. (laughs) But 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 it got us thinking. And then, well, and, we, then we, and then, sorry, an incident that, that Augie very kindly has gently moved past, which I appreciate, but which I'm going to mention, is President Biden not seeing sandbags and tripping over them. And yeah, this was in we June. We have had yeah. presidents that have tripped over things before, right? Like Chevy I mean, Chase's version of President uh, Ford. Ford, yes, is that he fell down all the time, which is not quite true. Gerald Ford did not fall down nearly as much as Chevy Chase made him seem like he fell down. But we've had presidents that have tripped and and presidents that have you know taken a header and all that other kind of stuff. But well, and and, and but we also the, but when you the, reach a certain age, I mean, I had to, I there was a brief moment when I thought we are lucky that President Biden didn't break a hip. Mm-hmm. when he went down on that sandbag mm-hmm. because at a certain age your bones are brittle yes it doesn't matter how much you run it doesn't matter how good a health you're in the just physical fact of brittle bones catches up with you so, and that's and that's the physical and then you add for instance the mental which right where we now, people get we, confused with the words they're trying to say or they get we now know for instance that in uh, president reagan's second term Right. Um, more than likely, he was already beginning to uh, suffer from um, uh, the early effects of Alzheimer's, um, um, which uh, contributed uh, to his passing uh, once he finished his term. So if we think about this statistically, Nia, right? Right, um, right now, as we're recording this episode, the two leading presidential candidates from the two main political parties – Okay, uh, Joe Biden. Okay, um, who's eighty? Uh, uh, the Republican nominee, or at least the candidate who's leading in the polls, is Donald Trump, and Trump is seventy-seven as we record. And then, if you look at the institution that I spend a lot of time, you know, uh, teaching and researching, two Supreme Court justices are over the age of seventy: uh, Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. Two more um, are old enough to qualify uh, for Social Security, and that uh, and those two are Justices uh, Sotomayor and Chief Justice John Roberts. Right? Um, if you look at, for instance, um, just U.S. senators, Neo, um, if we decided to put age limits on Which U.S. Is something that people regularly talk about. Yes. Okay. Um, in fact, there have been a number of polls in the last few years where a, ma- a majority of the Americans who were surveyed are in favor of putting age caps on um, elected officials. Okay. Um, 
But if the age cap was 60, 71% of the current senators would have to resign. 71%. Yes, this would be their last term in office. Last term in office, okay? That is, okay, a super majority of the current U.S. senators. If the age cap was 70, 30%, nearly a third of all senators, and both of the leading presidential candidates, and two-ninths of the Supreme Court justices would be ineligible to serve, okay? Um, I think that 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 those statistics are deeply important because when you think about the sheer number of people who should be enjoying a retirement, either enjoying or we would like you to go away so we can enjoy your retirement, (laughs) whichever way you want to look at that. Yeah, right. That would be, that is a huge number of people. Now, that being said, I do want to note that young people also occasionally have illness. Senator Fetterman was young when he had his stroke, right? Like, yes, yes. I mean, he is young. He's a young man. He has not, he has not passed. He's a young man relative, yeah, relative yeah. to these other folks. Yeah, but listeners, what we're talking Nia, about is the Nia's likelihood. A, yeah, Nia is talking about uh, the junior senator from Pennsylvania, um, uh, Senator John Fetterman, okay? Um, but what we're talking about here is, is just statistics statistics yes. catch up with you as yeah. you get to be 60 as you get to be 70 you start to see more illness you start to see more brain fog you start to see a, a withdrawal of certain skill sets that you might have had when you were younger um because well, that's you, the natural that's the natural eat, human aging yeah i mean just even the ability to put in the long hours that right. these that these positions require, right? right? I, I mean, know, I know the President Trump says he only sleeps four hours a night, and many actually, many presidents have said things. Many, not presidents, many CEOs have said similar things. And I know that there's a whole thing with business and sleep is for the weak. You'll sleep when you're dead, kind of thing, whatever. But the reality is, you don't perform as well. You just yes, don't. yes, okay. Your, the uh, human body requires a certain amount of sleep in order to perform well. Yeah, and, in and most people. And as we are want to do on this podcast, okay, we're going to give both sides of this, or we're going right. to give we're going to give multiple sides, right? You know, yeah. the, this this is a civil discourse, if you will, podcast, right? So there is plenty of research by gerontologists, okay, um, that suggest. That being older doesn't mean that a person can no longer, you know, do um, uh, their job, right? Um, that, you know, many elderly um, individuals have both the physical and mental abilities uh, to, do, uh, to do the work, even the strenuous work of governing. And I know perhaps that some of our listeners are like, well, how difficult is it to go ahead you know, and, and vote no all the time in the United States Congress, right? Um, how difficult is go home for several weeks <laughs> we, at a time. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, uh, and, and in addition to that, Nia, um, there is the old adage that with age comes experience and wisdom. Right. I, okay. would, I would 
I agree in the sense of this particular side of the argument that experience does matter in certain positions. Mm -hmm. It is helpful for a president to have had governing experience before. Yes. Right. It is helpful for that person to have experience with international relations because that's part of their job and what part of what they're going to do. And, um, and, the, and there are many first term, second term members of Congress who say, it took me, you know, one or two terms to figure out, okay, how does Congress, either house, do its work? Right. Okay, you know, what kind of schedule uh, do I need to have? That's why almost every mm -hmm. job gives you a probation period before both sides <laughs> decide that you're going to stay. Yeah. I mean, because you want to figure out if this really is a place where you can work and where you can fit in and where you can do, where you can do what needs to be done. Yeah. Um. But however, but I would argue, however, on the other side of that, yeah, is that a huge amount of that work is done by minions. Yes, and 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 that was the next point I was going to raise. I mean, as somebody who studies government institutions, uh, the reality is, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> uh, many members of Congress, former members of Congress, <clears throat> uh, Supreme Court justices, even presidents, okay, have acknowledged. That one of the reasons why they can do the demanding work of their position, and in some cases do really excellent work, is because they have assembled really good staffs. Right. Right. I mean, if you think about, for instance, Supreme Court justices, each of them gets four clerks who are fresh out of law school. Right. If you think about the office of the White House. Okay, the executive office of the president. I mean, you you know, we did a previous podcast episode, Nia, about the executive office of the president. Okay, or, or you know, just watch the West Wing, right? right? You know, the old TV show, right? Okay, you're talking about okay, a huge number of people, very talented, okay, who do a lot of the day-to-day minutiae of governing. Okay, I've had an internship working for a U.S. senator, okay, and a huge chunk of the work was done by the staff, right? Right. They read bills and highlight things that they think the senator is going to care about or want to know before they make their vote, right? You know, they you know, they you do know, a lot of that background work, you so know, when they hand it to you, they're like, here, read the highlights. Yeah, I mean, they meet with constituents. They meet with interest right. groups, right? Um um, and, and again, this is not to disparage the work of these government officials, but at the same time, from a democratic perspective, a democratic theory perspective, we got a problem because we don't elect the staffs. Right. We elect their bosses. Right. So, you know, who are we holding accountable when we vote? Elected officials or their staffs. Right. And I mean, sometimes we're holding the staff accountable. Well, yeah, I mean, because, uh, you know, the think reality about, of Watergate is that Nixon didn't do any of that. Yeah, he didn't break into, you know, he the, didn't the, break the, into anything. The, he didn't actually really do a whole lot of the cover up until the end. Yeah. Right? He hired Ehrlichman and help me out with the uh, Halderman. Halderman, and, right. Like okay. he hired those guys. Yeah. And, they, and then he said, get the job done. And they said, yes, sir. And, and, and they did. I and mean, they got it, the job done. I mean, and, he, he crushed it the in the reef. who was held, they were held legally accountable, and several of them went to jail. But the person who was held politically accountable was Richard Nixon. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm always uh, uh, the thought that always comes to my mind about the role of the staffs was um, uh, former South Carolina Senator Strom Thurmond. Oh, right? Strom Thurmond. He lived to be 480. Okay. I mean, he, he served in the Senate well over the age of a 100, right? Yes. And by all accounts, okay, uh, probably. Mind was still sharp, apparently, even to the end. Okay. But the last two or three terms that he was in the Senate, okay. His he, staff was doing the work. Yeah, his staff was doing the work, right? His okay. mind was sharp in the sense that he could make arguments. Yes, but, but only because his staff had done all the, yeah, all the background work to give him that, yeah, yeah. Now another so, related I issue. I want to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that the olds can represent the youngs? And, and that's another issue here, Nia. And I really struggle with this. Um, I mean, particularly, I mean, let's face it, Nia. You and I, in our jobs, interact with seventeen. I mean, typically 17 to 23, 24 year olds, right? Um, and in many ways, they keep us young. Okay. They force us. Yeah. They force us, you know, you know, to. Yeah. Cause parents, their kids age out. Yes. Like Mac will not stay 11 forever, which I'm yes. sure you're grateful for. In many <laughs> ways, right? But in some ways you'd love her to stay 11 forever because this is, she's a really great person right now. Yes. Yes. And when she's 16 and saying, I want the car keys and I want to go out and do things. You'll be like, mm, can we go back to 11? But, <laughs> but, but that whole notion of, like one of the best things for us in our job is that young people keep coming in. Yes. In that age group, they keep doing that. So I, but I would be, I would be completely remiss and wildly wrong to say that I could represent or even understand a lot of the positions that they have and a lot of the things that they like to do. They say words and I'm like, like, I don't, and, and, so, we, and we talked about this in the in the most recent podcast episode in regards to the median age increasing, right? And that is, you know, when you get older, your priorities change, right? Right. And I got to wonder to what extent when we have older elected and government officials, whether or not they actually have the ability to represent the younger generations. Dude, if you are 80 years old and you are still paying on your student loans, somebody needs to talk to you. <laughs> like somebody needs to help you. But you know what I mean? Once yeah, you've gotten yeah. past paying your student loans, theoretically, when you're 80, you've probably also paid off your mortgage. Mm. Like, so you are not you and me, but uh, like real people who yes. got their mortgages relatively young, they'll be paid up. Augie and I, by the way, listeners will never be paid off. We're just going to be paying forever. But, <laughs> yes. but, that, but, but you know what I mean? Like you lose your your perspective on what that means in terms of your monthly budget and how you live your daily life, knowing that you have these huge payments that you have to make each month. It changes what kind of jobs you go after. It changes and, all and, of that sort of thing. And if you're a person who doesn't really remember how it was to be young and hungry and struggling. Well, or even think about how the generations change, you know, you know, if uh, we're talking, it's important to them. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Mitch McConnell, Diane Feinstein, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Get married. 
Okay. Buy a house, have 2.5 children. But I'm not even going there. They're boomers. That's a different generation, right? Right. Nia, you and I are Gen X, right? And we we frequently joke both on and off recording about what it's like to be a member of Generation X. But we're now talking about, you know, millennials, right? Okay. And that's a different generation. Right. So they may have different priorities. So, you know, they might actually be concerned about climate change, right? Right. Which is not to say that older Americans aren't. Aren't. Okay. But differently. differently, Because if you were a boomer, okay, you were coming to age and driving when gasoline was still cheap and plentiful. And the thought that, okay, us burning fossil fuels would damage or was damaging the climate was okay. unthinkable. Was unthinkable. Humans can't affect something this big. Okay. So, but, you know, and that's just one example. The generations are different, right? You know, n- the n- kinds you. of work they want to do, the kinds of families, the size of families they want to have, the kinds you know, of... You know, the, the, the way they perceive government institutions, right? right? I mean, Nia, you and I are Gen X, okay? Not all Gen Xers are the same, but you and I have a certain amount of skepticism and cynicism about all kinds of institutions, you know, whether they're government, you know, you know, social institutions, educational yeah. institutions, our level of expectation of any of them wasn't it's all that great. Low. Yeah, it wasn't all, it hasn't always been all yeah. that. If somebody said to me tomorrow, here's this giant conspiracy that happened the entire time you were a teenager, I'd be like, Act, tell me something I don't know. Yeah, right? I said, like, yeah. I, I'm totally not shocked, even yeah. though I don't know what this thing is. Because I was pretty sure we were going to die in thermonuclear war when I was a kid. So, like, yeah, I mean, we were, yeah, we were. That I'm alive now is a pretty, I I consider to be a pretty awesome thing. Yeah. So, uh, if you told me there was a giant conspiracy of a deep state thing to do this thing and that thing, I'd be like, yeah, probably. But yeah, probably. I mean, because, you know, (laughs) well, let's face it, when you're eight years old and you're doing duck and cover drills, right. Okay. (laughs) Right. Okay. I've drunk more water out of more hoses. I have, I have probably 30% rust in my person. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know, didn't kill me and let's move on. However, but generations change, right? right? So how can, okay. And this generation is very socially oriented in the sense of social justice, environmental justice. Yes. Um, They have a lot of passion about, those subjects that previous generations didn't have and may not have and and may have a yeah i want the world to be a good place too but not the way these not the way the youngest generation is now they're very powerfully connected to this idea of we have to fix this we have to change things and there's a level of immediacy with the younger generations Okay, level of immediacy. Yes. That if you're a four term member of the United four term, you know, US senator. Right. Okay. Right. Change in twenty four years, you're like, slow your roll. Yes, slow yeah. Your roll. It's gonna be fine. And they're like, no, 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 no. No slowing. Speed up, speed up, speed up. Speed up. Okay. Part and, of that is because their entire world is delivered in four seconds. Yes. Like they live in, in a very immediate world with their phones and with their connectivity. And yes. most 80 year olds don't live in that kind of immediate world. No, 
And even if they understand it, okay, they're not predisposed to go ahead and think about the world in, in that kind of immediacy, right? right? Um, now, that being said, some get it better than others. Sure. Yep. Some of our older senators try to stay young. They try to get their staffs to get them to to do things. But, I mean, we all saw the painfulness that was Mark Zuckerberg sitting in front of Congress trying to explain, trying to explain the Internet. Yes. And Wi-Fi. Right. Yes. Like you're like, oh, you should just stop talking. There this was isn't gonna work. Every time a member of Congress asked the CEOs of the social media qu- uh, companies questions, um, I, I I began to cringe. Yeah, it's okay. almost like a bad drinking game. Yes, right. right? Where you're like, you're like, we're going to be drunk in 20 minutes because this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, this is day drinking gone bad. Right. Also, okay. Can we just can we can I ask you a question about being reelected? Yes. Is it doesn't that happen approximately one hundred percent of the time? <laughs> <laughs> Not that high, but typically most um, election cycles it's between ninety and ninety five percent of the time, right? Which, by the way, I'm a college professor. That's a level, if you will, success, right? Okay. Right. I mean, in, in the terms that if the I can. women get it right 50% of the time and they keep their jobs. <laughs> yes. If, if your incumbent level is 90%, 90%, okay, that's. You can be more or less incompetent and keep your job. And again, that's or the thing. Not even incompetent. incompetent I should say that because they're not incompetent, but you could be marginally competent. competent. You could be that's doing an okay job. Your job, but. And keep you... your. Yeah, and listeners, what Nia is referring to is the incumbency effect for those who already have the job. Right. If you, it's hard if to you, break out. It's hard to break it, in. Yeah, it's hard to break in because you are known. You right. have um, uh, uh, you have the uh, advantages of your office that you can utilize, um, and um, uh, you can go ahead if you're a member of Congress, bring home you know, the infamous pork to your state or to your district, okay? Um, and the party will probably support you because you're a known quantity. Well, and that's the thing. The political parties have a bind. I mean, even if they want to go younger, okay, are you willing to give up a quote-unquote safe Senate seat that is occupied by an octogenarian? Okay, who's known, known. And whose name is out there, name recognition, right? All that stuff. They spend less money on those races. That's right. Because they don't have to. Because they don't have to get that name out there. That name is out. There. Lisa Murkowski's name is known in the lower forty-eight. Yes. Like that's a which, big deal. Which means that in Alaska. Okay. It, there, if if you don't know her name, it's because you're dead. Yeah, and if you're a challenger, okay, you literally can't live in that state and not know who she is. If you are challenging Lisa Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski in Alaska, okay, not only do you have to bring your A game, but the stars, the moon, the tides all have to line up if you're going to go ahead and take her down, right? Yeah, I mean, okay. She, she got in the last time on a write-in. Yes. Okay. She wasn't even on the ballot. The ballot, right? And she won. <laughs> okay. So, like, th- there is that that complication of if you do want to make it younger, if you do want to try to bring younger people into 
Congress, the, what's going to have to happen is that people are going to have to leave of their own volition. And, and remember, it's poli- not going to be that you're going to that you're going to knock them out. And remember, folks. Generally. And 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 I try to explain this to my students, who again are are generally much younger. You know, they're just like, you know, why aren't the parties more responsive to young people? And I said, okay. So the United States Senate currently is pretty close to 50-50 divided, right? There's a slight majority for the Democrats, right? And the next set of congressional elections is in 2024, right? Um, And you're the Democratic Party, and you want to retain control of the Senate. Now, you might want to go younger, okay, because you want to appeal to younger voters. However, you also want to maintain the majority. Seven of the 10 oldest senators currently are Democrats or they caucus with the Democratic Party, right? Right. Uh, so, Bernie and Angus King. Yeah, Bernie Angus Sanders King. Sanders and Angus, 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 Angus King, King, King are, the are independents that caucus with the, Democrats. with the Democrats. Okay. So, are you so willing? Do you risk? Yes. Do you risk mm-hmm. replacing Bernie Sanders, or or even do you risk replacing a straight Democrat, like yeah, straight up Democrat, Diane Feinstein? Yeah. Although she's pretty safe in California, it's pretty safe that in California that would be a Democrat. Yes, but 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 what about in a purple state? What about in a state like Virginia? Yes. Do you replace Tim Kaine, who is not one of the oldest senators, but let's pretend that he was? Do you try to bring in a young person? Without that name recognition and hope that it all goes your way way. in a state that's purple and could easily go in the other direction. Okay. Or if you're thinking or if you're thinking about the presidency, Nia, right? Right. What do the parties do with Biden and Trump at this point? And I am name recognition is off the chart. And I'm hearing a lot from my students that they don't you know, they think they want to vote for either one of these guys. Yeah, in part because of their age, they don't think that either one of them really represents. Okay, their generation, their friends. Okay, their lo- you know their loved ones, etc. But I'm like, okay, but who do you replace them with, right? Okay, because as you just pointed out, Nia, Biden and Trump are well known. Right. Right. And a yes, a bunch of the people going up against Trump are much younger. <laughs> yeah. Relatively speaking, they're much younger. Yeah, and he okay. has thirty or forty year gap, and they are not doing anywhere near the business he is doing in the polls. Yes, right. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's cleaning their clocks, right? right? Okay, and right now, I mean, if you're the Democratic Party, are you going to run somebody against an incumbent president when you're afraid that if you lose the election, you know, Donald Trump's going to be president again? Okay, well, we'll just go ahead and stick with, you know, you know, Uncle Joe, right? Right. Okay. Or think about my, the institution that I study, the Supreme Court, right? Okay. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had an opportunity to retire when Barack Obama was president, okay? I mean, you had Democrats and liberals writing op-ed pieces in the New York Times Asking the, her to, retire. to retire, right? Okay? President Obama even had a lunch with her, okay? And he sort of tap-danced around the subject. But her thinking was, I can still do the work. I still like the work. 
And yes, I've had cancer. And at that point, she had already had cancer three times. And eventually she succumbed to cancer when she got her fourth bout. But nevertheless, right? If you think that you can still do the job. Well, and that comes back to hubris. Yes. Right. This idea of whether you can willingly let go of things. Now, we've had several senators this time who have decided not to run. Yes. And we've had a few Congress people who have decided not to run. Yes. um, For whatever reason. But it is awfully hard. Okay. It's a certain kind of person that runs for political office to start with. Yes. That is a person who is both somewhat narcissistic and has a somewhat high level of hubris. I can fix the world and people love me, right? Those two things combine and it is really hard to let go. Yeah, I mean of of the I am a world fixer and the people love me, the people love me. I mean, these are not people with with um, uh, uh, small with, egos. With small egos, and again, with the you know the court, you know, as I'm fond of telling my students, you're talking about nine people who basically most of their life have been told that they are the smartest person in the room since they were a kid. Right. Okay. The chances of them just saying, <laughs> you know what, I'm just going to go chillax. <laughs> now, who went back to Maine? Uh, New Hampshire. That was David Sutter. Okay. Yeah, he was he, like, I don't need this crap because he didn't like D.C. D.C. Or it wasn't that he was like, oh, I don't think I, I can do the job. job. But this week that we are recording, um, a very well-known U.S. senator decided to um, uh, step down. Um, you know, he's not going to run for re-election, but he's age 76. But the senator who I'm talking about is Utah Senator Mitt Romney. And one of the reasons why Romney said he wanted to step down, okay, was he didn't like all the, you know, demagogues in both political parties. But the other main reason that he mentioned, Nia, was that he thought it was time for his generation, okay, to step down and let the next generation of Americans, okay, occupy government positions. Now, juxtapose that with... 82-year-old Nancy Pelosi? Yes. She was, 82? Yeah, she's in her 80s. And she's in she, her 80s. She's going to run again. She's going to run again. the Congress. Yes. Okay. She is, and probably unopposed. Yeah. Because she's, who the heck would, who the heck, I mean, somebody will put in their name on the Republican side just to but make a good faith effort. But she's in a safe, she's in a safe Democratic the chance, district. Right. The chance yeah. of her not being reelected are pretty low. Yeah, and, and 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 that's the thing, you know, about gerrymandering of house districts. Right. When you gerrymander house districts so that the incumbents have safe seats, that's yet another reason why you don't retire. Right. Because you you don't really why have, should you? Yeah, you don't have to work really hard to you know to to maintain your office, right? Right. right. And You're this, not it, getting out there and hustling. You're not, you know. And, and, and mind and you, so, you know, you know, Nia, you and I have struggled with this because. Right. We have said on this podcast a number of times that we don't believe in term limits, right? right? Because that's what we think voting's for. That's right? what the elections are. They on are the... potential term limits every yeah. time, <laughs> except for instances where we don't get to vote, like the Supreme Court. Court, yes, right. But then you know, you and I, you know, talked off uh, off recording 
that you know government work particularly elected government work is probably the only profession okay that doesn't have term limits now mind you there are some states that have term limits you know for uh state court jobs okay etc cetera, etc cetera. but almost every private sector industry has age limits right, right? okay um you can say you want to work till you're 80 but about at about 67 or 68 hr comes to you and says so what are your retirement plans (laughs) and that's how they put it they don't say you go now but they start asking you about your retirement plans which is their message to you that it's time for you to retire and let the next group of people come up through the system and yeah i I, and i love those conversations that you, (laughs) you and i have heard you know, some of our friends have had, right? you know, because, you know, the HR officials do it, you know, like they're, like they're trying to be helpful. Right. right? Let's, let's start thinking about how we plan for your retirement. <laughs> yes. Right. And you're like, wait, I'm retiring. Like, yes, you are. You are. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and aren't you happy about this? Right. And you're okay. like, uh, I didn't think I wanted to retire. Sure you do. You can travel. You can bother. Let's plan for it. Right. Yeah. You can spend time. You can spend time with your, you know, your, your grandkids kids or, your, or, your, or your cats your, and dogs or your, your, you your travel, your spouse. And then, yeah. you know, and and you start thinking, I don't know if my spouse is going to like me all that much if I'm home all the time. And I'm pretty sure my grandkids only like me if I show up with like gifts. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I'm, I want to do this retirement thing, but nevertheless, they're just so happy and helpful. Right. Right. Okay. But well, and in state agencies, listeners, they also do that. Every, yes. we, our newsletter <laughs> for faculty every what every month or so they're like how to retire from like okay all right quit pushing um and Uh, we are relatively young young. as you get to a certain age yes that pressure becomes higher and higher partly in fairness to business because you are making more money than young people yeah you're costing them more Mm -hmm. but part of it too is well, it's a it's is also the young idea, new ideas, being more in touch with the consumer, being more in touch with right, all of those things. Because what we know about, and, and forgive me for putting it this way, but I'm just going to say it: frivolous consumer spending is that it happens in your 20s and 30s, and then yes. it pretty much slows down in your 40s. And by your 50s, you're starting to be like, oh, I'm not going to buy that. That's silly. Right. Yeah. For whatever reason, you don't buy silly things, even though at that point you have money. What you also have are commitments. Yes. I, I have things I need to pay for and I need to think about myself when I'm retiring. Right. So I need to think about whether I really want to buy a Tesla right now. Yeah. Teslas are for young people. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I have no problem with Teslas. I have no problem with that with, you know, buying a well, I wouldn't buy a Tesla. I would buy some other. I would probably if I had that kind of money, I would probably buy a muscle car to be honest because i'm a jerk like that but whatever that that it makes me wonder if politicians are if I, if my my view on that should progress progress to the point of maybe it's 72 or maybe at whatever like if you're going to turn 72 in whatever um um, term you have in your in your thing, then 
this is your last election. Yeah. And, and then that way you don't have to force people out. You just you just make a rule. Well, and but and see, for, some people would say, I don't want to get rid of Chuck, Chuck Grassley and you can't pry my cold, dead fingers from him. I love him. It doesn't matter that he's 88. I want him as my senator and you can't stop me. Yeah. And, 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 and then what is, do we do? Yeah. And this is part of the difficulty. That's the conundrum. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you mentioned the the the, the private sector, uh, if you will, uh, example or model. You know, the other thing that the private sector is you know, uh, focuses on quite a bit is uh, what they refer to as success, succession management. Okay. Um, how do you make sure that you continue to have um, a healthy, vibrant workforce that can put in the hours, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, and we don't have that in regards to elected officials. And again, part, <laughs> and again, part of that is, you know, those who have the positions of leadership, okay, think that they can still do the job, that they've been doing great work, et cetera, et cetera. But it does kind of sort of beg the question of, you know, what are the what are the effects on the, you know, on the democracy? What are the effects of governing um, if we don't identify that next, uh, the next wave of of elected officials and get them some training yes okay right? like what, what we want to do if we can get 40 and 50 year olds into the system now yes they will grow into to, in, in the next right in the next term or two terms and then they'll be in their 60s and super active still able to to make yeah good political decisions good court decisions good whatever decisions I mean, because there's a lot to be said, and, and Nia, you mentioned this individual a few moments ago. Um, you mentioned uh, Virginia Senator Tim Kaine. Um, you know, Se Senator Kaine, um, you know, started out on the Richmond City Council, and I believe he was in his either late 30s or early 40s. And then he was chosen by his colleagues on the council to be mayor, and at the time, the city of Richmond had a weak mayor form of government, meaning that the mayor was actually chosen by the other city council members, right? So it didn't have its own independent uh, authority, um, uh, et cetera. But he went from mayor to lieutenant governor, then governor, then U.S. senator, and he was the vice presidential candidate for Hillary Clinton in 2016, right? But he started when he was in his late 30s, early 40s, okay? And now he's at a point to where, you know, he's had a couple of terms as a U.S. Senator. Um, and, you know, and many Virginians believe, you know, he's got the requisite, if you will, you know, uh, experience, but he's still young enough to where he's not, you know, a living fossil. Right. Okay. But, but in a uh, couple of terms, terms you know, it's yeah. going to be time for Tim Kaine to step down. Step down, and 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 that's what we're and that's what we're talking about, listeners. You know what is the appropriate age? Right. When is too old? Okay, to be an elected official. Yeah, um, Tim Kaine is sixty-five. He's sixty-five. Yeah. I would say that in two terms, he needs to recuse himself and say, "Okay, it's been a great run." 
Or, I mean, hey, do one more term. Or okay. One more term. term. Yeah, and finish up in the early 70s. And, 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 and call then, it good while you're yeah. so young and can enjoy your – it's not like the retirement from the Senate is bad. No, I mean you. you it's a pretty you, healthy retirement. You, yeah, I mean he's he's got multiple pensions, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's got he's but, got the the U.S. Senate. He's got the Commonwealth of Virginia, right? But you know, I don't. I think the other thing is that that we have to the question we have to wrestle with, and we're not going to wrestle with it today because it's too big a question. Is, but I suspect did the founders intend for people to make public service their lifetime? Yeah. You know, I think the founders expected that you would go home and farm. Right? Yeah, the, the, that being the, the, a governor, being in governance was a part-time time gig. job. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. your full-time gig was either being a farmer or a whatever it was that you were in your quote-quote real life. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not and, and, entirely certain that they thought that people would make a career. Nancy Pelosi, I'm looking at you, of being an elected official. Yeah, and 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 the flip side of that is governing today is so complicated and well, so time-consuming. Okay, um, and so emotionally fraught. Should fraught. They be putting people through this in their eighties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Or or can we you know expect somebody who's got a full-time gig elsewhere? Okay, to just you know show up for a couple months. I mean, right. we, we know this here in Virginia because our state legislature is a quote unquote part-time legislature right they meet and then they go away and have real jobs yeah right so but that basically so the question means, becomes are they doing either job well well i mean and that basically means that in virginia okay most of the governing for most of the year is done by the executive branch right okay and which really you know undercuts this whole idea of checks and balances when the legislature's out of town right? although <laughs> although in fairness to virginia I believe it is the only state where you cannot succeed yourself as governor. Mm -hmm. So you might get a power grab, but it won't be a long one. Well, yeah, it might not be a long one. Yeah. But I mean, these are tough issues. So, and, so yeah, it's, and, a, and, it's all complicated. And also the other thing is, and I, I hate to bring um, my late stepfather into this, but I will. Taking away his keys for driving yeah. was traumatic. It was traumatic yeah. for everybody. Right. Yeah. He didn't like it. His son didn't like it. The son that made the that made the decision. And it was a, it was hard. It was hard on him because it took away some independence, some personal strength of his that he that he well, really sense, struggled with. A sense and of I, you know a sense of identity. I mean you know Nia right, exactly you, his you know, sense you, of identity. And so I think that's what Ginsburg struggled with. She had seen herself. As a Supreme Court justice, how does she see herself post that? Yeah, in in, in you and it's I, it's very talked, hard. Yeah, you and I have talked about this off recording. I mean, you have joked <laughs> to and about me the the fact that, with the exception of being Mac's father, okay, the rest of my identity is wrapped up in in being a college professor. Right. So, you know, for me, and I've already begun to think about this. Okay. Who am I when I'm post that? Yeah. Okay. Because you know, for a quarter of a century or longer than a quarter of a century, you know, I've thought about myself in terms of I'm a college professor. Right. Okay. Um, this is who I am. 
Um, yeah, and who am I when I am not this person? This person, okay. And who is Joe Biden when he is no longer in public service? Yes. He's been in public service 50 years. Yes. He doesn't He doesn't know how to do anything else. Anything like else. He doesn't. No. And it, really, do we want Dr. Jill to have to put up with him wandering <laughs> from room to room trying to find something to do? I mean <laughs> – well, I mean, uh, and, and, Dr. Jill's probably chill with that, but I'm just saying. Uh, but I mean, we, uh, there's there was the contrast between Bill Clinton and Bush 43. Bush 43 <laughs> could not wait to get back to Texas. Oh, right? to okay. his art, yes. to his ranch, ranch, to his wife and kids and grandkids. grandkids. But Bill Clinton really struggled the first couple years out of right. office. Who, who am I if I'm not president? Yeah, I'm not an elected official trying to solve public policy problems, interacting with some really smart people, stay, you know, staying up real late, trying to go ahead and, you know, and, you know, consider all the alternatives. He struggled with it. There's a video of yes. the Clinton of Clinton in his last day at the White House, yes. and he's wandering around trying to find something to do. Yes. And Hillary's getting ready to go off to the Senate, and he runs out and catches her limo and hands her her lunch because yes. she forgot the lunch that he packed for her. And yes, like he's it's a it's a funny video, but it is also in some ways very real. This whole idea of well, if I'm not this guy, and Clinton was a very young president. Yes. He, yeah. he came to the presidency young. So what I mean, even, do you he, do when you've been the most powerful yes. person in the world? What do you, how do you, what job do you have after that? Afterwards, yeah. so you have to find the sweet spot between I'm so young that when I'm done serving, now I'm weird because I don't, like, I don't know what to do with <laughs> yeah, myself. Yeah, 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 right. Clinton and Obama maybe both had a little bit of that, had a little yeah. bit of that. And I am so old that I promptly die after yeah. I'm no longer president, right? So, yeah. yeah. And, and I actually think of all the people who have done a balance, I I think Bush Jr. did a pretty good balance. Oh, yeah. He does I mean, some public service, but he also paints, right? Yes. He, he's like, yeah, I don't want to be in charge of things now because 9-11 was on my watch and that was stressful. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, his transition to civilian life, um, uh, uh, in my estimation, has been rather impressive. Um, and Jimmy Carter's transition went in the other direction. Yeah, he was not did not have a particularly effective presidency, but had a stellar post president career. Mm -hmm. Yes. As a peacemaker, as a Habitat for Humanity guy, like, yes, a, a, yeah. you know, election watch guy yeah. i mean he was doing all those kinds of things so i think finding your way has to do with um timing getting the timing right yeah and you know i'm part of me wants to i i have a certain frustration with nancy pelosi because it's time but then there's another part of me that's like yeah but who is she if she's not yeah, Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, like you know what I mean? Like she, that would be a hard thing to struggle with. Yeah, so we're not saying we're just trying to push people out, but we are saying that maybe Mitt Romney's on something here with okay, but this there needs to be generational change. 
Yeah, and 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 that's my yeah, largest. Mitt, Mitt Romney, he's usually out ahead of things. <laughs> yes, he is. He was out ahead of the whole Russia thing. He was like running around going, "Russia's going to kill us all," and everybody was like, "Okay, old man." And then Russia invaded Ukraine, and he went, "See, see," and everybody went, "Okay, turns out you were right." So. Well, I mean, I even remember when he was governor of Massachusetts, and he, you know, worked out a health insurance deal with a. Yes. a a democratically controlled state legislature. Yes, he okay. was the first Obamacare was, was Romney care. <laughs> was Romney care, right? Right. Okay, and you know, ahead and, of his time. Yeah, and and when uh, the Utah uh, Olympic Committee went ahead and hired him to clean up that mess, <laughs> to save Salt Lake City from utter ruin. Yes. Okay, but I mean, I still remember when he took over. He made comments saying, perhaps the International Olympic Committee has to change its model, okay, uh, because um, you have these communities who are devoting significant public resources to host the Olympics, um, and it encourages – yeah, it encourages so so much morally hazardous behavior. And I even remember when he used that (laughs) phrase, okay, and a a whole bunch of sports reporters are like – morally hazardous behavior what the <laughs> heck is he talking about we're why isn't right. he talking about sports right but he was but right he, but he was right okay because it, it's happened too many times right uh but there's a lot to be, and again you don't even have to like mitt romney's policy for, politics, right. yeah, yeah yeah but um uh if you're but concerned he, he may be on to something here with the maybe if you're it's con- time for our generation yeah if you're concerned about the health of your nation's democracy. Right. One of the things you have to take a look at is how do you, okay, transition from the existing leadership to younger leaders so that young people can be invested in their country? Right. Because if they look at elected officials and they don't see themselves, do they get turned off, okay, in regards to politics, governing? That doesn't even mean that they run for office if they stop paying attention to politics and governing because they don't see them. A benefit. Okay, their concerns being represented. Right. Okay, then and they wh- stop voting. I mean, they stop yeah. doing even the basic, the, the basic democratic things. things. That's right. Participation uh, suffers. Trust suffers. And that's never good for a nation's democracy. I mean, because no, right after that comes a coup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So on that happy note. So- yeah. So prevent a coup, retire now. <laughs> that should be the tagline that we that we start that we start you know getting out there. The hashtag prevent a coup, comma start, retire now. Yeah. That, by the way, uh, listeners, if Nee and I ever do go forward with our merch line, <gasps> that's going to be on one of our T-shirts. <laughs> that's going to be on one of our T-shirts. Prevent right? a coup, retire yes. now. Yeah, yes. we'll have we'll have three or four options. Uh, arbitrary and capricious, of course, has to be one. And because um, the commerce clause said so, it has, so to be one. <laughs> it has to be one. Um, prevent a coup, coup retire now. <laughs> Okay, you see, you, uh, did you see how I went ahead and turned around, <laughs> turned that around from the, wow, we're ending an episode about morbid coo- darkness, yes. cuckoos, to hey, that could be a great, <laughs> great slogan. 
hey, let's put that on our merch. Right? And if you're a politician out there and you want to use that slogan, we're okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You we're know, okay with it. Don't even have to give us attribution. Just no. go forward and do your but thing. But if you want to go ahead and give us royalties, please contact. We will take it. Right. Yes, yeah. Please. <laughs> please. Because we're both looking at retirement. <laughs> please contact, okay, our Virgin Libraries. <laughs> our Virginine staff that puts on this podcast. Which, by the way, listeners, there's not a burgeoning staff. That's right. It's just the two of us. <laughs> Anyways, Nia, thank you. Thank you, Augie. <laughs> You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU libraries. Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.